0: so good morning thank you for making us a part of your morning inviting us into your living room or being here with us live we're glad that you're here Uh, i get the pleasure of introducing our guest speaker today Uh, carl uh, has been a part of the grace family uh, for uh, 13 years or so he served on staff here for eight years as the pastor of student ministries Uh, had an opportunity to go to florida and work in a church planning capacity uh, for the last few years, but recently uh, has come back to serve as the area director of Young Life uh, here on the East Side. Uh, Carl is a big part of who we are as a church. He's been an integral part of my life in ministry, and I couldn't be more excited to introduce to you and welcome Carl Messinger.
1: Amen, 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 amen. Oh, uh, thank you. Hello. So many friendly, familiar faces here. Uh, thank you, Doug. Uh, if you're watching this, I know you, you are, and thank you. And thank you, Grace. Yeah, it was um, really, actually over 14 years ago. the first time I stepped foot in this room as a young pastor a year out of college. and um, man, a lot of life has happened between then. And now, uh, a lot of good things. I think we forget that there are still good things in the world and in our, in our own individual lives. Amen, brother. Um, that's not to <laughs> have the head in the sand to the reality of life. We'll cover some of that. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, it was a real interesting um, discernment process for us. We were down in uh, Champa Bay. You maybe have heard of it in every single major sports team in the world. <laughs> And um, loving it down there for a million reasons, including, you know, a lot of spiritual reasons. Great. Uh, and then this guy I know named Dr. Tristan Guevara, is, uh, he's a punk. But uh, I'm just, I can say, I can roast him because he's here at the second service. He not here at first service. So. But, uh, you know, we just were some prayers and some, some vision and some dream towards what God could be doing. And, yeah, we were just like, Lord, you know, we love Tampa. But as we prayed and discerned and talked and came up a few times, and it was like, Detroit's home. And um, it's, our people are here is kind of our phrase. Yeah, thank you. We, we love the D. Um, and uh, it's really good to be back. I am serving as the area director for Young Life uh, based here in Gross Point, And it was really fun. Actually, I see faces. We just had our spring fundraiser last Wednesday, and it was awesome. It was so fun outdoors under the tent of the War Memorial, like, perfection. If you've never snuck back there, um, just tell Charles Burke that Carl sent you. Just go ahead. It's fine. And uh, it's just beautiful. And it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, this is a great season for God to show up and do things. And so even uh, here at Grace and and in my role with Young Life, our high schoolers, uh, we hang out on Sunday nights at 7. Our middle schoolers on Tuesday nights, also at 7. And then kind of a fun fact, if you're in here and you have a middle schooler or high schooler, uh, this Wednesday, I will be right here again uh, doing Grace Youth. So what a joy and uh, really glad to be able to be around to chip in a little bit. I, yeah, sure. Um, and, and we just thank you, Grace. Uh, the Missions and Mobilization uh, Ministry um, supports Young Life Gross Point And we really appreciate our partnership. Um, we work with churches. Uh, in partnership and in unity. So it's pretty fun. So um, I want to start here by kind of taking us all back um, a little bit, what seems like a long time ago, but also doesn't. So on Saturday, uh, March 7th of 2020, I had the privilege to officiate the wedding of of two founding members of our Tampa church. It was a beautiful night, a cool venue. We knew people, even the photographer was like some of our best friends. It was just, it was just great. It was awesome, that was a Saturday night. That next morning, Sunday, March 8th, uh, I preached at our church, And um, what none of us really kind of expected would go on to be the last in-person gathering for most churches for a considerable amount of time. In fact, longer even up here. So much has happened in this 14, 15 months and there's not a human alive that is not affected by them. Everybody has lost something Many of us have lost people close to us, loved ones, close friends, family. Everything's changed. There's not a thing that's the same, and that's that's just COVID. I'm just. What about just life? 14, 15, any, any given time frame. There's so much. I was on an, an airplane uh, 17 hours ago returning from officiating my uncle's funeral. He was 62. He just had a heart attack. He just died. Actually, today would have been his 63rd birthday. What do you do with that? There's, just, there's so many questions. There's just things we that come at us. How do we respond to fill in the blank? How do we respond to life? Well, I think... Th- there's really only one way to do it, is that we respond by turning to who we are. Now, here at Grace, I'm kind of sneaking into the middle of this We Are uh, series. If you've been coming for the last number of weeks, maybe the last month, uh, Grace has been covering a lot of what Grace is and who Grace is as a church, and in in some ways, I'm kind of deviating from that, but I'm really not in a sneaky way. And so while Grace is doing a lot about what, who Grace is, this community is, this corner is, the mosaic and all that, I want to go back even another step as we look at our lives and our world and look at who we are individually and who we are as followers of God. And so my prayer is that this morning, but really every day of your life, that we all live knowing that we are loved. Amen. Yes, amen to your amen. That, that we're loved. And so this morning might look a little different. I don't want to say that. Now you're like, oh my gosh, what's coming? It's going to be completely the same. I want to give you a gift this morning. It might just be the next half hour. Great. I hope I pray it's a gift that keeps on giving and you, you take what we're going to experience and you find life and joy and peace and rest in it. But I want to give you a gift this morning to just rest in this truth, that we are loved. Um, it wouldn't be a Carl Messenger sermon if I didn't quote and read from a C.S. Lewis book, so this is that time. Um, in, uh, in his book, The Problem of Pain, which this should be required reading, For anyone who reads English, or I'm sure it's translated in other languages, during this season, we are all experiencing pain and problems. But he writes this. He says, if the world exists, not chiefly that we may love God, but that God may love us. Well, yet that very fact on a deeper level is so for our sakes. If he who in himself can lack nothing chooses to need us, it is because we need to be needed. Before and behind all the relations of God to man, as we now learn them from Christianity, yawns the abyss of a divine act of pure giving. The election of man from non-entity to be the beloved of God, and therefore in some sense the needed and desired of God, who but for that act needs and desires nothing since he eternally has and is all goodness. Amen, yeah. Now we know 1 John 4 states that God is love, right? We know that this is how we know what love is, that um, God demonstrated his love in Romans, that Christ came and died for us. We know the truth here that God is love, But do we live with that truth? Or do we forget it? Maybe we're reminded from time to time. But no, we are loved. And it's a gift to rest in that truth. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, I don't feel very loved or very connected to God. You might be thinking, and we all really can think, but you don't know my life or what I've done. How could God love me? But that's the beauty of God's love, is that no matter what you've done, or what you haven't done, that's kind of the other side of that like judgmental coin. Doesn't matter. God loves you. That, it doesn't matter what you've done or not done. You are loved. You know, I was, um, I was discussing actually with my mother-in-law, probably a month ago when I kind of knew I was kind of getting ready for this. And um Carol Halpin, whom many of you know actually yeah a g amen to that that 'll preach that'll that 's a life that 'll preach um and we were just sitting around the table talking and and I was just kind of i don 't even know what I was saying, um and she 's like, wow, that kind of that reminds me of a of a psalm, and she mentions this really obscure psalm i'm like, yeah, I know that one <laughs> um and and so um, she 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 said it resonated with her, and so we actually opened our Bibles and read this very short Psalm, and it actually really resonated with me as well. And so I pray that it resonates with you. We'll see how it goes. But um, it's a it's a very tiny three verse Psalm, Psalm 131. If you've got your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn in your in your Bibles there to uh, one, uh, Psalm 131. Uh, it's written by King David. And this psalm is one of 15 psalms in this section that are known as psalms or songs of ascent. And you don't know what that means. What that means is that these 15, it's almost, think of like a hymnal. Think of a liturgy. These set-aside songs that would prepare the reader or the singer's hearts to experience God's presence. These were preparations for worship. These would be sung literally on the way to the temple mount, to the mountain, the ascent. They would sing these songs songs to prepare their hearts, prepare their minds, and so um, with that in mind, let's read this entire three-verse psalm. David, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Those are beautiful words. My prayer this morning is that just from these three little verses, that we see three gifts of God's love. First one in in verse one, um, I'll describe it with the word vision, that we have a vision, the gift of vision for God's love. Now, what do I mean by vision? You all know what, what the word means, but the dictionary defines vision as the faculty or state of being able to see. But what does God want us to see here in this text or even in our lives? Well, let's consider David's perspective. He's the author here, right? So what's, what perspective is he writing from? Well, he's a king. And as Tom Petty famously said, it's good to be king. I've actually never been one yet, um, but I am in the market. Um, if anyone knows of any openings. Um, Tristan, can you, can you get on that? Thank you, appreciate it. But he says, you know, he's king. He says, I've not lifted my highs above things too great and too marvelous. And I'm like, again, I've never been king, but isn't that the job description? Like, isn't that just what kings do? Like, they just wake up and they say, you know, come look at me. Look how marvelous my kingdom is, and my life, and my friends, and I'm amazing. Come see how good I look. It's, it's kind of the rich mahogany thing. And so, that's what kings do. It's what people in power do. It's what proud people. It's, it's those of us who have done things. It's, it's, it feels good. We like that. But that's obviously not what, what David's saying. And so what vision is David talking about here and describing? It's, it's vision up to God. My um, friend and mentor, uh, Zach Elliott, in his book, Uh, It's called Now I See. He's got this small little image here describing vision up to God, uh, uh, describing adoration. We just sang about adoring God. He says this. He says, when our vision is up to God, we're awakened to the possibility of a life that, God help us, could be fuller than the one-dimensional, elusive bliss we've been surviving. Does that maybe sound like your life? This one dimensional, elusive bliss, and we're just surviving. That definitely sounds like this year. That may, that may be your morning. I can't believe you made it here. Amazing. Thank you. Great. Your anxiety for the rest of the day, or tomorrow, or your kids, or your parents, or your family, the pandemic. Uh, maybe a job search, job loss, relationships. We are often caught in this elusive bliss. It's so one-dimensional. And that sounds like a lot of our life and our, and our experience here. You know, David writes elsewhere in Psalm 63, uh, verses 1 through 3. These might sound familiar to you. He says, Oh God, you are my God earnestly I seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water uh hello right I have looked upon you in the sanctuary I have ascended beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you you know David he's king he had it all like some of us think that we do. But David didn't let his high highs or his low lows, and God knows he had plenty of those. I mean, you name it, he did it. He didn't let his high highs or his low lows take his vision off of God. David's vision was up to the Lord. Now, the second gift of God's love that we'll look at this morning is peace. Described in Psalm 131 as calm and quiet, like a baby resting on its mother's lap. And picture that. How calm and quiet and peaceful is your life right now? I tell you, mine isn't. This is not a self-help thing. I'm not going to give you 10 steps to that but I can give you a source for it. But my life is not calm nor peaceful. And that's my own fault. I don't like it that way. I like doing things. I have four kids and a wife. And what's worse, she has four kids and she's married to me. <laughs> and I have to clarify because even though she was at first service and I don't believe she snuck back in, but she will find out if I don't say that. She wanted me to not say that but I reminded her that was the only joke I had in the whole sermon, so I, I couldn't cut it. But she wants it to be known that I am not a child anymore. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean she has five children. I mean, she has four and a third. And, but what I really mean is, is my life and my ministry and my vision runs all over the place. There's always something else really exciting or that we can do or that we can get involved in or we can support. There's always another person, another relationship. There is just so much that excites us, throw in four kids and all the other things, that it's a lot. There is nothing in my life that is naturally calm and there's certainly nothing quiet or really peaceful in my entire existence day by day. And so because this is true, Um, We, uh, really just in the last maybe nine months, uh, my family has um, started observing a weekly Shabbat dinner. And you're like, what did he just say? So uh, a Shabbat dinner is a Jewish dinner. It's a weekly Jewish uh, dinner that they do on Friday nights in preparation for the Sabbath on Saturday for them. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ on the first day of the week, right now Sunday. So uh, we, we do this on most Saturday nights. And it's like a junior Passover. If you're familiar with the Passover meal, it's very um, orderly and organized. There are, there are specific prayers. But it is a time to pause and rest. And so I told you I was on a plane yesterday. We landed at 5.01, touched down at 5.01 p.m. And, you know, got out of there and got home. I don't even know what time it was. Let's say it was 6 o'clock. But all I know is I walked in the door and my 11-year-old handed me a glass of wine. And I was like, it's Shabbat. (laughs) Praise the Lord for the fruit of the vine. (laughs) We worship you. I'm praising the Lord for the fruit of the vine. It was amazing. But it's, it's, it is the only, and I mean only, and you know this if you have kids, it is the only moment that we sit across the table from each other, all of us, and like pay attention. No phones, no who's going to what sport, who's doing what. Dad, get off the phone. What's going on? And we just, we're together. And we pause now, the kids like it for the grape juice, um, but I also think they like, they like, maybe not hanging out with us yet, but they, they like it. They get, they get our full attention, and that's rare, sadly. I would describe it as it saves our week. Whatever's going on, good, bad, indifferent, ugly, let's, let's sneak Clinton there, ugly, and um, it saves our week. Because all of that is on pause for even just 30 minutes or an hour or so, and we celebrate, and we look forward to the next day with God and His people. So for you, uh, I mean, go for it, do it. I'm telling you, do it, it's amazing. Uh, just Google it. Uh, there's a couple beads in there, but ask me whatever. Uh, that would be amazing. But here's where I'm just going to throw the application for this morning, I'm throw it right in the middle is whatever it is, just intentionally create some environment where you can rest and focus your vision up to the Lord and create peace and quiet and calm. Figure it out among your family, what works. And I'd encourage you to create something every day. Maybe you just need to wake up a minute earlier and just start the Lord. Lord, whom should I love today? That's gonna be hard. Here we go. Maybe go to bed earlier, read, pray, journal, worship, Shabbat, let's go. For Liz and I, I mean, here's the why, right? Okay, that sounds great. Why? Because we are constantly having to pay attention to what we're modeling for our kids. Like, are we modeling lives of busyness, worry, productivity? Good things, bad things, like, what are are we modeling for them? And if we don't stop and really survey it, I mean, forget about it. It gets, gets running. We don't want our kids to be overcommitted, too busy to be with us, too busy to be with the Lord. And so for us, that's something we have to really, really keep a, keep a hold of. And I imagine that's true for some of you as well. Now... David writes in um, another one of his Song of Ascents. This one is Psalm 122. He writes this, and this, will, um, this, this text here is not lost on me. The, a literal interpretation of this is quite timely, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And certainly that is a good thing, and, and, and something David wanted is the actual city. Jerusalem here represents the city of God on earth. It represents the people of God. So Jerusalem is not just the city Over in Judea, Jerusalem is all of God's people alive on earth. But he says this, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure spiritually who love you. Peace, there is again, peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And uh, an understanding of that word is universal human flourishing. Would you say that your heart and your life is flourishing right now? Now I pray many of you are like, yeah, I think it is. Awesome. Praise God. I'd venture to guess that's not everybody. Is your heart and your life flourishing right now? Is it peaceful and secure? Now, if it's not, I heard a little gasps, don't beat yourself up. There's a beautiful truth in this, is that just like God's love, we can't earn peace, like we can't just like, peace has happened. but it's freely available from him. You don't have to earn it. You can't earn it. It's not possible. You don't have to work harder. You don't have to strive. You have to surrender and rest in his presence. And that takes intentionality in my life to do that. And so we turn our vision up to the Lord. We go to him and him alone for peace and then, that will allow us to experience the third gift of God's love is hope. Everybody wants more of that and needs more of that. Sometimes that's all we need to keep going. Hope in what's to come. Hope in something bigger and better and beyond us. So where do we find lasting hope? Like real hope. Not just click our heels together hope. Was As believers, if you're a follower of Christ, we know that that hope is only found in the Lord, which is what David says to close Psalm 131 hope in the Lord. Now, what does that look like? It's it's notable that David didn't just say, hey, oh, and by the way, hope. You got it? Good. Hope. It's hope in the Lord, hope in the creator of the universe, hope in the one who created you, who made you, who knows you, who cares for you, in a word, who loves you. You can hope in that God. We can hope in God because He is love. You know, I find it notable in the scripture and that God uses the same statement, makes the same declaration. In Matthew chapter 3, at Jesus' baptism, as he does later on in Matthew chapter 17, his transfiguration, where his glory is revealed, God says the same thing. This loud voice from the heavens comes out and says, Behold, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And because God is love, and because he created us for one reason and one reason alone, to love us, because he needs us, because we need to be needed, when he looks at you, I don't care what, it doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done, he sees his son, and he makes the same declaration. I love you, and I am well pleased. And you might sit there and be like, uh, bro, don't know me, couldn't say it. He says it, and it's true. You are loved. And there's nothing, I'm telling you, more freeing wherever you're at right now. If we could measure and compare ourselves, which would be ridiculous, whoever's near the bottom, it's the same. And I'd be there with you. We'd all be the same, and we'd all be loved. And God would be pleased because he created you and he loves you still. We are loved. Take a moment and think back to maybe the last time or a time in your life where you experienced that kind of love. Maybe you go back, maybe you're a child, maybe maybe there's other people that you're picturing that aren't even alive anymore but you felt loved. Maybe you're having a hard time thinking of something. And I don't want to be sensitive to that. Let's just go back to Psalm 131, David's image there of a child resting with its mother, fully surrendered, fully relaxed, it's not a care in the world, just looking up to its mother for us, looking up to the Lord, to God. That's peace. And that's hope. The Old Testament prophet uh, Jeremiah is a very famous chapter 31. It's, a, it's an incredible, incredible passage where uh, as he's a prophet speaking to and, and, and then delivering messages from God. But he writes at the very end of verse 2 of, of Jeremiah 31, he says, When Israel sought for rest, I wanted to add that part. This is a big part of what he says next. He says, The Lord appeared to him, to us, Israel, to God's people, from far away, God might feel really far away to some of you, like way out there. And I guess he kinda is, but he's not. He appeared from far away and he said this. I mean, is there a more beautiful verse in scripture? I'd love to talk about it. I have loved you with an everlasting love Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. We all, I just I mean, even just right now, I needed, I need that, I needed that. We all need that need to know that we're loved. Now, building on this verse in, in his book Finding My Way Home, uh, author Henry Nowen um, describes this verse. Um, says this, he says, you know, when God says, "I have loved you." with an everlasting love, this is a fundamental truth of your identity. It's just like with C.S. Lewis. Yeah, listen, it's about God. We are nothing. Oh, but we're needed because he loves us. Our identity is Jeremiah 31.3. It's about God. It's about us because he made us. It's a fundamental truth of your identity. This is who you are, whether you feel it or not, and I recognize we don't, we don't all feel it ever, and we don't all feel it always, but it's true. You belong to God from eternity to eternity, and look at the second half. Life, our life, all men are but grass. We know this, and the older we get, we know this. But what is life? Just a little opportunity for you doing during a few years to say, I love you too. That's it. Yeah, amen, for sure. That's, I want to respond to that. That's how loved we are. And so we can live like we're loved when we know it to the core of our being. I don't have to strive, I don't have to earn. I can't, but I'm loved. There's not a better feeling. There's not a better state of that hope and that peace. You know, for, um, for nearly 2,000 years, the church, capital C church, God's people on earth, have set aside an intentional sacrament for us to rest in and express our love back to God. And that's... we know it as communion or the Eucharist. If you, oh, here it is, if you came in, hopefully you um, received a communion element. If you have not, give a little wave wave and Phil Johnson and some others will, will get you. If you don't have these, go ahead and prepare these. The band is going to come up and, and begin to lead us in a response. But communion, much like Shabbat, uh, it comes out of the Passover meal, and so we celebrate communion because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. At the Passover meal, there are so many symbolic things that we just kind of gloss over maybe, Um, but there is a certain piece of bread known as the Afakomen bread. Afakomen means I am come. It was foreshadowing for the future when God would come and save his people. This bread was prepared and and it was wrapped in linen and hidden away in the room hello foreshadowing and jesus when we say oh yeah he got the bread he got that bread he got up found that bread and he took it he says this i am come i am he i am here god is here i love you i am for you that's the bread he took and, and it says he broke it. And I just, you don't have to do this. There's nothing superstitious about it. I always break my bread to be reminded that he was broken for my transgressions, which are many. And so it just reminds me of, of, of his sacrifice. Amen. And he gave thanks, said, this is my body, broken for you, I am come. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. And then he took the cup. This wasn't his glass. This was Elijah's cup, the cup of sacrifice, the fifth cup. At every single Passover meal, to this day, if you've ever been to one or go to one, I'm telling you, do it. You will have X amount of people. I guess in this case, there's like 13, Jesus plus 12. You would set for 14. You would always set an extra place setting with all the elements. Everything would be there, but it was just set there for Elijah, the prophet, the prophet because one day he would come to prepare the way for the Lord when I am come would come and save them. So when Jesus took the cup, he didn't take his cup. He took Elijah's cup, the cup of sacrifice. He says, this, this is my blood shed for you forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And we're reminded, this is, a, this is a Shabbat favorite for us, even if says you taste that, even if you didn't like it, we're reminded how sweet God's love is. It's John and the band, they're going to play a song, quite literally, the song is called uh, The Song of Ascent. Uh, thank you guys for learning it. Um, this is a gift that we want to give you. Um, you know, it's, uh, it might be on the longer side, I think it's like eight minutes. Don't leave. This is a, I, 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 I said it before I saw you. <laughs> Sorry. I'll leave. Um, you, you are free to leave. You're free to move out of the cabin. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love it. This is a gift. Take these eight minutes as just a little taste, literally, and spiritually and figuratively a rest and vision up to God. There's a lot of words in the song. John is incredibly gifted at memorizing songs. Thank you. And take in these words, respond to them as you're fit, but rest, be at peace. See the hope in these words and in this word more importantly, and know that you are loved. Cast your vision up to God in adoration Go to him and him alone for peace and for hope. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And thank you even right now for this opportunity to respond to you in worship and adoration. You are God. We are not. We love you. Amen.
0: Where you hide Oh how far I scale Valley If you grace The other side Oh how long Have I chased Rivers From lowly seas To where they rise Against the rush Of grace descending. From the source of its supply And in the highlands and the heartache And neither more nor less inclined I would search and stop at nothing but you're just not that hard to find I will praise you on the mountains, I will praise you in the mountains in my way, you're the summit where my feet are, I will praise you in the valleys all the same, no less God Your kindness extend the path where your feet rest on the sunrise to where you sweep the sinners pass. Oh, how fast would you come running? Just can shadow me through the night. Trace my steps through all my failures and walk me out the other side oh who could dare ascend that mountain a valley hill called calvary before the one i call could share? I will praise you on the mountain, I will praise you in the mountains in my way, you're the song you my feet up, I will praise you in the valleys all the same, no less God within the shadows.
1: Amen. Wow. Father, those words are true because you are true. You love us we are loved. And I pray that we would live as those who are loved by the creator of the universe who cares for us, who knows us, who is for us who's well-pleased with his creation and his sons and his daughters. I pray that we would ascend to you spiritually daily, abide in you, cast our vision to you in adoration and worship you and rest, have peace because you provide it despite what's going on and that we would have that hope. Father, we love you. Be blessed. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we thank Carl for bringing the word this morning?
0: Hey, we have a team of people that pray um, on our behalf kind of before each service, and um, they kind of listen for the Lord to see if there's something that uh, he might want to, a specific way he might want to move or something he might want to do. And this is kind of what they heard. They said that uh, someone among us, um, might have some fear that they need to examine and give over to God. So if that's you, um, you can come for prayer. Um, they also felt like there's some of us that might need to just place our faith in Jesus, to turn to him for the first time, to um, give our lives to him. And they also said maybe there's some with uh, stiffness in their hands. So if any of those things kind of resonate with you or kind of are like, oh, that's me, you can come forward after the service. Or if you're watching online, you can um, call in to one of our Zoom rooms. Um, we'll have someone waiting for you there, and we'd just love to pray for you. But I uh, pray that you have a blessed week. See ya.
2: You're the oxygen inside these lungs that's giving life to mine